Hey there, I'm Melissa Merrill, a professional home organizer since 2011 and now a speaker, author, course creator, and coach. I created Pro Organizer Bootcamp for aspiring home organizers and decluttering experts who need a kick in the pants to take their business to the next level. Each week, I bring you an action-packed episode filled with tips, tricks, and inspiration to help you build your own professional organizing company. Be sure to subscribe and leave a rating and review. Let's dive in. Today, I'm chatting with Dr. Julia Roz, owner of Golden West Organizing in the greater Los Angeles area. Julia launched her home organizing business about two years ago, and since then, she's hired a team and has been featured on tons of media outlets, including CNBC and the Minimalists podcast. I'm super excited to chat with her today about cold pitching, gaining visibility and press, and having tenacity in building a pro organizing company. Welcome to the show, Julia. Thank you so much for having me, Melissa. I'm really excited to be here and to chat with you. Yay. So tell us about yourself, Julia. What called you to get into this crazy field of home organization? I think so many people, this was not what I thought I was going to be doing with my life initially after being an academic for 12 years, which is something I still do. I still teach college classes. I get asked this all the time. Are you still doing this? Yes, I am. I still love teaching and I teach a variety of communication related university classes, such as public speaking, interpersonal communication, media related classes. But after years of doing that, the pandemic happened. And then all of a sudden I went from being in the classroom in front of groups of people every day to being at home. I had already taught online for years. So that transition wasn't really hard, but not being around people at all, that was hard for someone like me because I do identify as a pretty extreme extrovert and I love being in large groups of people. So I, I had all of this time on my hands and all this time in solitude in this room that I'm talking with you from right now to start thinking about what else I might want to do with my life. I think like so many people, we reconsidered our life path during the pandemic. And probably a year before the pandemic, I had discovered minimalism and started decluttering my own belongings. I went to a, an exhibit at the Skirball Museum, which is local here in Los Angeles, which was displaying Sarah Berman's closet. This exhibit originally was at the Met and then they had it here. It was one of the most powerful things I've ever seen in my life as a display of minimalism, just beautiful. I was blown away. One of the things I can't, I don't think you can see it, but like a book on this shelf is about that exhibit because it's that meaningful to me. And so then I started reading a lot about minimalism, watching documentaries about it, including the minimalists and let go of at least 80% of my personal belongings. So not my family's, but my own stuff. I always had a problem with being really sentimental with my belongings, like everything. Even yesterday, I donated a coffee table and I was sad about it because of all the memories that I had associated with it. And I know the memories aren't gone, but I felt this loss. So I'm not immune to clutter and especially emotional clutter. So I decluttered my whole house. My friends and family started noticing again, this is pre-pandemic. So then during the, I had continued to simplify my, my home and talked with some friends who said, I think you're good at this. I'd already kind of offered services for free to them anyway, pre-pandemic, whenever I go to their house, we could do that. So I decided as my new year's resolution in January 1, 2021 is the anniversary of my business because my new year's resolution was to try this <laughs> as a business. I wanted to initially do it as a side hustle because I was teaching full-time and 
So what I did is that I contacted friends, family, and neighbors and asked in the pan pretty early pandemic who would be willing to let me come to their house to organize for, I think I offered four hours for free in exchange for some photos and testimonial. And so I did that for about a month before I got my first paid project. And really the rest is history. It definitely has exploded much more than one project a month. And it's now my full-time job. I do still teach part-time, but I live and breathe organizing at this point. And now this is, I feel this is the next big stage in my life. That is so cool. I love how you made the joke. Yeah, it was my New Year's resolution. Clearly you stuck to it because here we are almost two years later. And that is honestly how most of the folks here in the Pro Organizer Bootcamp community get started, where they think of it, they get the idea. Oh my gosh, hey, I'm really good at this. Let's create a side hustle. Maybe you're working full time. You do that friends and family road show, as I like to call it. You put the show on the road and see who wants to join in on your organizing gifts and talents. And then, like you said, the rest is history. That is so cool. How did you come up with your business name and all of your cool branding? Because you know I love a good yellow. <laughs> oh, thank you. Yeah, I do love yellow too. You know, gray is my first favorite color. I like neutral tones, but I love yellow. The reason why I went with yellow is that I felt like, especially as someone who aligns myself with minimalism, that a lot of minimalism are neutral tones, white, black, gray. And in researching, and this is a big part of my PhD background coming in, I have researched home organizing more than probably the average person. Not only have I read every book that I possibly could read on this, but I also have done a deep dive into so many other organizing businesses and how they present themselves to the general public. So that's been a big part of how I came up with my yellow, is that I wanted something fun and happy and feel good, like sunshine. I wanted it to look like sunshine because that's how I want people to feel when we're in their home. And I designed the logo myself because I want, and with the yellow, I really wanted it to be a home is where the heart is logo. And I wanted it to be something simple. In terms of my business name, I started my business under another name and it was called Organizing by Julia. Now I did not at that time initially have done the amount of research needed, which is something I would always recommend to people. Later on, months later, I find out there's another company called Organized by Julia. I was like, bad choice. And then I also, in all of my, my deep research, found so many organizers were naming their business with their first name on it. And I felt like this was incredibly limiting as someone who wanted to scale. And also in doing research on trademarking, which my business, Golden West Organizing, is currently in that process, going to be at least a year till I get that done, I learned a lot about what kinds of phrases get trademarked too. So my business name now, Golden West Organizing, which I changed in the second year of business, the beginning of the second year of business, is named after my grandfather's business. He had a mobile home called Golden West Homes here in California. And it is not affiliated with Golden West College. There's a street Golden West. There's a lot of other companies called Golden West, but it's named after his company because he was really an inspiration for me as an entrepreneur. He's no longer alive. He died in 92. It's been a long time, but he did not have any background in business at all. He also didn't have any money. He was just figuring it out. And he eventually ran and until for his whole life worked on this mobile home business. So it's named after his company. And also, like I was saying, it doesn't have my name in it anymore, which is better for scaling it because then they're not always like, where's Julia? It's not about that anymore. And also I like the story. I should also mention Golden West, part of the, where the name comes from is that my mom's maiden name is Golden. It's my middle name also. So my name is Julia Golden Roz. So it's part of my name. 
it still has my name in it, but not my first name name. When I first shared this, which was to my team at the first anniversary party, I was crying a lot. So that's so sentimental thinking about the, how significant this name is to me. That's awesome. Yeah, I love the yellow, the fun, the happy, feels like sunshine. Totally agree with you on the not putting your name in your business. I've said that on a few different podcast episodes here for our listeners in the past. Also, if you are listening to this and you're maybe just thinking about starting an organizing business, be sure to watch my YouTube video called Watch This Before Naming Your Business, because this is exactly what we talk about, as well as for folks in the U.S., checking out the USPTO website, the Patent and Trademark Office site, doing a quick test search and then making sure that you're not stepping on anyone else's toes. Because I have heard this so many different times, Julia, where it's, I made the whole logo and the branding and the whole thing. And then wow, somebody else has the name, right? I wish I had watched that video before I named myself. Like I said, I feel like I did it in the reverse order where then after finding that out, I also, organizing by Julia, I was abbreviating it as OBJ and that is trademarked by a professional athlete, those initials. Like there were so many things I didn't know that if I had done the research ahead of time, I would. And now with this name, when I selected it, I did do all of that searching. And when I did go to the trademark office and spoke with the lawyer, it's very straightforward to trademark this name. Whereas trying to associate a name with organizing, it's much more tricky, like your first name or any of those words associated with organizing, like tidy, clutter, like th these things are, are trickier. So if you have something that's like nothing having to do with organizing that you attach to organizing, easier to trademark. Exactly. I love it. I love the whole history of Golden West. Funnily enough, my grandpa also owned a mobile home company in Southern California. Oh, really? Maybe they and knew each other. <laughs> maybe they did. He, yeah, this was in Huntington Beach in Newport Beach down in Orange County, but um, small world. It's crazy to meet people here on the podcast and see all these little similarities. What I wanted to say too, was now that you have obviously changed the name, grown and scaled, hired a team, and Julia is no longer working in the homes of the clients, which totally makes sense now that it's this bigger, broader brand. What are the types of projects that you love to book for your team or the types of projects that come in? Yeah. So I'm still very, I'm on some, I'm not a hundred percent off. I have mixed feelings about being a hundred percent off of the job because I got into this because I love organizing, but I'm on select projects. Now I try to limit how many, because I was doing six days a week of this and it was just not sustainable with running everything else from the business, not to mention all the physical components of this job. So I am still on some but I'm selective of how I participate now. And I'm much more involved in just making sure that the whole thing goes smoothly than anything. What are my favorite kinds of things to book? I think that in general, I like working with clients that are kind people and enjoyable to work with. I think that this would be true in any customer facing business is that my favorite kinds of projects are working with clients who are really eager to declutter, get organized. They're just ready. And also that they're, that we mesh really well. I always tell prospective clients that, and I said this on the minimalist podcast too, that hiring an organizer to me is like looking for a therapist in that you want it to be a good personality fit. You want to make sure it's somebody that you trust that has your best interest in mind. And when clients end up booking with us, I hope that that's how they're feeling working with us and vice versa. So that's my favorite kind of person to work with. But yeah, for me, it's more about the type of people than I would say like the spaces that we work in. 
I love that is so true. I do believe that every single organizer has their own unique twist on things, their own unique Mm -hmm. style about them, their energy about them. Some organizers aren't for some clients and vice versa, right? Some clients want to move at a snail's pace and really take the time and really think things over and talk everything out. I don't have that energy. I'm like, let's get the trash bags. Let's go. Let's do this. You know, also why my other side of the business is pro organizer boot camp, right? You're coming to a boot camp. You're not coming to pro organizer sound bath session. Like this isn't what we're doing. So it is so true on the energy side of things. Like you said, like any customer support job or any customer service job, if it's a kind person, if it's somebody that's open to the help, right? If it's somebody that wants to make progress and help you help them (laughs) in a way, that's always going to be an awesome fit in my book too. So And I think that this comes down to the selling portion of the business, but ideally that we're working and I'm booking clients who view the cost of our services as reasonable and not a reach. So there, it's much easier to work with clients that your price point fits with their budget and that they're not constantly wondering, is it really worth the money? Do I have this money? It's much easier when you know that they're comfortable with the money because otherwise it can cause some conflicts on the job when again, like they're like really reaching to try to spend for this or they're really maybe even putting unrealistic standards on you because of the cost. So ideally when I'm booking someone, it's when I go over the finances with them, it's a good fit and that they're not making a poor choice for themselves. Yeah, so true. I think it's hard when I think of my own self where I'm like, okay, if I go get my hair done and I'm not doing the box dye thing anymore, then guess what? It better be worth the $300 to go get my hair done instead of doing the $5 box of color at home. Show me the value proposition there. So yeah, I totally see that. I think obviously serving a more luxury clientele, a more upper middle class slash upper class clientele, especially in this day and age, important, at least for those in my pro organizer bootcamp community, because I feel like the middle class right now is just not necessarily our client base anymore. (laughs) I think back in the day, it could have been back in the day when the economy was booming and gas wasn't $7 a gallon, like it is probably where you are right now. (laughs) But yeah, I think, like you said, not making them have a huge leap and a huge stretch because it can get into icky territory. I'm glad that you brought up the like luxury space or upper middle class or upper class. I personally don't use any of that terminology and how I phrase my business and brand myself on purpose because to me, and again, people can disagree with me on this, but personally, I find those words a bit pretentious. And I think there is a way to still serve that population without having to say, yes, I work with celebrities. Yes, I work with rich people, but like as explicitly, I think that there are ways that you can still come across as serving those clientele without explicitly using that language. And this is giving some of the strategy of my branding that I'm happy to share is that I've been told I come across as very down to earth and relatable while I'm still serving those people. I just don't use that language. And I also don't broadcast publicly who I work with a lot of the time too which is on purpose. I I don't know. Just sharing a little bit more about getting to those people without having to use the words, the word luxury and how you brand yourself. Yeah. So let's talk about making it happen. I know that you were on the minimalist podcast, which is obviously huge. How have you been putting yourself out there, cold pitching, really being tenacious in building this business from the ground up? 
I have no problem with people saying no to me or ignoring me. I'm at a point in my life, and I think I attribute this a lot to my background as an academic, is that for years in my doctoral program, I was told all of the things I was doing wrong for years. I don't think this is an effective way necessarily of coaching someone is to just negative reinforcement, but I was used to being beaten down for many years and told I wasn't good enough. As much as I don't think that that was effective, it did make me really strong as to who I am today. So I personally am generally unfazed if I get no's. So I'm not afraid to put myself out there. I've been really fortunate that with some of my media exposure, they found me. How did they find me? It's been a variety of places. Sometimes it has to do with how outspoken my clients are on social media about me, uh, especially on Facebook. And so I've had some media outlets find me that way, seeing, oh, look at over the course of this much time, everybody is saying how amazing Julia's business is. And other times I have just emails because there's no harm in doing that. Now, I don't just send an email like, hi, I'm Julia. I want to be on your show. I give a lot more thought into it than that. Because I think that just like when you're selling your services to a potential, it, to get on a certain type of media outlet, you also need to make sure that the pitch is appropriate for the media source and also unique. And so for me, and I believe this to be true, and I say this for all my public speaking students, that we all have our own unique story and voice to bring to the table. It doesn't matter how many other organizers are out there. There is something unique about each of us that we can say differentiates us. And that's something that I did in how I presented myself on some of these outlets. But like CNBC and Redfin, they found me. So I didn't do anything there. But with the minimalists, I reached out to them. And one of the, and I, I got a little bit of feedback from their producer about why they selected me, but not a ton. And I will say that my knowledge of the minimalists' work, as I had read all of their books, watched their documentaries, followed their podcasts, I was already a big fan and very familiar with it coupled with my own philosophy for organizing is why I was a good fit. So it doesn't mean that all organizers would be a good fit for that show. In fact, our, my shared philosophy on minimalism and not being a product-based business, which is different than some of the big organizing companies, is part of why we were able to see eye to eye on things. So, but I have definitely product. pitched, what, <laughs> sorry? I said, because you're not hawking product. The point is to be more minimalist yes. in your approach. Less. <laughs> Stop. I've definitely reached out to other big media outlets that have never responded to me. And that's okay. Am I going to give up though? No, I'm probably, I will wait. I'm not going to bother them every month, but six months from now, I'll email again, because to me, there is no harm in putting yourself out there. The worst thing that will happen is getting a no or being ghosted entirely. But I think that before my recommendation, before someone does that is to make sure that their, their pitch is very clear as to what their differentiator is or what their angle is and to practice that and maybe even have somebody else read it before you turn it in. I have the benefit of a lot of years of writing experience in my life and not everybody may have that. So why not ask a friend to edit it? You don't even have to spend money on it, but just practice it a few times and keep putting yourself out. There. I keep doing that. And what it has led to is a snowball effect because then once you get the credibility of having been in a major media outlet, other places, Google is trusting you, you're getting seen more. Other media outlets would be like, well, she was seen on this. And, and I did that with The Minimalist too. I mentioned my CNBC piece. I linked the video from CNBC so that they could watch me. And they did. They, they did watch that before I was on, selected to be on there. I hope that answers the question. <laughs> 
Yeah, a few things there for our listeners just to summarize. So definitely show the value in any sort of pitch that you're putting together. And I like to say this, copy-paste DMers slash copy-paste emailers, in my opinion, are the new telemarketers. Nobody is reading your copy-pasted BS. I feel very strongly about this because I get copy-pasted DMs on Instagram and in my email daily. And it is, in my opinion, it's trash. It's absolute trash. It's lazy. And it shows through to just copy-paste the exact same thing and blast it everywhere. So to me, that's spam. So <laughs> try to... You're, you're totally right. And I get these emails every single day too. And I just immediately delete them. And yeah, I guess that I'm really glad you brought that up because I do tailor everything I say. Like you have your general message, what that pitch is, but it needs to be custom tailored to that audience. So what I wrote to the minimalists would not be what I would write to anybody else. I custom tailored that and I really showed my knowledge of what, and why I was a good fit. And that has to be tailored to each place. And uh, I think no ma matter how small the media opportunity is, that's okay too, because you can always view, I tell this in public speaking too, is that any opportunity you have a chance to speak is practice for the next job interview, the next date, whatever that experience is. And so anytime you have a chance to put yourself out there, you get to practice refining that elevator pitch and how you want to present yourself. So when you do get that big opportunity, it's not your first time ever talking in front of people. Like for someone like me, I love public speaking. I'm great in front of 200 people, but I also know there are many people in organizing that don't have that feeling that they may be petrified by speaking. And so any opportunities you have, even some like local group that you can volunteer and do a speech at anywhere that you can practice is great. Yep. In Pro Organizer Bootcamp, we do a few different activities, like a 10 word elevator pitch. And I just absolutely love doing that with my masterminders because it really helps us flex that muscle. And as we pivot and grow and change and offer new services and target different markets and different client avatars and all that good stuff, it's important to practice, right? It's important to get out there. We talk a lot about networking, going to a BNI meeting, doing your stand-up pitch, going to a Rising Tide Society Tuesdays Together meeting and sitting in a group of other female business owners and figuring out, okay, how do I talk about this? I think that's the, I, I haven't checked the recent statistics, but it's usually like a top three biggest fear, right? Death, spiders, one of those things. Public speaking is always up there. So before we close out today, Julia, what is some advice that you might have for newbie organizers that are just getting into this industry? One of the things that I really like about this industry is that it has a low barrier to entry. And I think that new organizers can use this to their advantage. And like I was saying earlier, there's a lot of us out there. And if you're in a place like where I live, there are a lot of people that organize that are in my city. Like there's so many of us. And so it can feel daunting at first. Like, how am I going to find my voice in the crowd? Because I'm not the only one. And it's depending where you live, there might be a whole lot of people, including very established people. But I think it's important not to let that discourage you. And personally, I like to research as many companies as I can to understand it, it's not about it's not about a competition necessarily, but just to know how other people are marketing themselves because then it helps you to position yourself in a unique. I also think that having a chance to speak with other organizers who are seasoned, who are nice, is a good tip. There are organizers that may not be the nicest people, although I can't understand how you can be in this industry and not be a nice person. It just doesn't make sense to me. But it's like when you and I first spoke, I knew that I was going to connect with you. Like we get, we vibe, 
right? We just do. And so I think if you can find someone else in the industry who is willing to not spend tons of time with you, but even just to go to coffee, you buy them a coffee. I'm really interested in getting into this. Any advice that you can give me? To me, it's always helpful to talk with other people who are doing this and get a sense of not only what's working for them, but what they think are the biggest challenges too. I also think that if you have an opportunity to do some contracting work for other organizers, it will help you refine how you position yourself as a business too. It can be another form of research you do for yourself. You'll get a little bit of money while you do it, but also you can see, oh, they run things this way. Would I want to do that? Maybe there are things that they do that you think are great. And then there are things that you're like, oh, I'm going to do it different than that. And they don't have to know that's why you're doing the contract work for them. But I think that can be a great way to, to figure out your own spot. And then I think what we were talking about, friends and family, just putting yourself out there at first, taking it on the road and see what the response is. I also think, and this is just from my experience from hiring team members, is that sometimes people expect the job to be like what they see on TV, like on the home edits show which we always have to think about how reality television is an edited version of not actual reality but i think not everybody has those kind of critical media skills and might watch that and think oh this looks really easy to do all in one day okay not keep thinking about the fact that there's a lot we didn't see they had a ridiculous number of people it probably cost over a hundred thousand dollars to get this thing done like they're not thinking that through so I think that getting some practice of doing this on the actual job will give you a sense of whether this is something you really want to pursue. And it may not look like TV. It probably won't actually. And that's, and I think that for new people, not to set those TV images as your barometer of success, because that's not reality. Right? remember that's entertainment. Other things of advice that I have for new people. Let me think right now. I had so much in my mind. I had it like all, all written down too last night when I was thinking through this conversation. To not get discouraged if things are slow at times. Things sometimes feel slow to me and I get discouraged. I'm like, am I doing the right thing when it's been like a certain number of days since I've got a call or an email? Don't let it discourage you. It's okay if things slow down, they will pick up again. And also that to never underestimate the power of word of mouth. And that to me, I've not done paid advertising for my business at all. It's not a route I've gone yet. I might at some point, I'm open to. Word of mouth is so incredible and it is truly possible to build your business off of word of mouth and not the quantity of Instagram followers you have. Because I'll give an example here. There are a lot of the people that I work with, I, they have me sign NDAs and I cannot post anything about them, about who they are, no photos, no videos. The world on Instagram doesn't know about them, but they talk to each other. That's the ideal when you have these high profile people who, because you kept the confidentiality, you were respectful of their home, their time, everything, they remember that and then they text or they call their friend who is someone like them. And then you do the same service there. And so I guess I, this goes hand in hand with TV as not being a version of reality. Same thing with Instagram is reminding new people that just because you see these pictures on Instagram that they may have been, again, like he heavily edited and staged just for Instagram, does not mean that you're doing something lesser just because your pictures are from your iPhone and they're not as frequent. I hope that's enough motivation. I feel like I could motivate new organizers all day long because I'm less than two years in and I it's grown in ways that I never could have dreamed of, truly. Yeah.
Yep. And it wouldn't have happened had you not set that New Year's resolution January 1st, 2021 and said, hey, let's go out and talk to some friends and family and see what happens. So that is the beauty of making it happen, being tenacious in business, just getting started, taking the leap into that fear, right? And seeing what magic might happen on the other side. Thank you so much for being on the show today, Julia. And for those of you listening, you can learn more about Golden West Organizing by heading to goldenwestorganizing.com and also check them out on Instagram at Golden West Organizing. Thanks again, Julia. It's been a pleasure. Thank you so much for having me. Exciting news! Your free Consultations 101 Masterclass is now available. This training is for established home organizers who have already worked their first few paid jobs, have an online presence in some sort of way, whether that's through a website, social media, or service pro marketplaces, and it's for women who know that they're meant to use their natural organizing gifts and talents to run a profitable business as a pro organizer. In this 25-minute session, I'm covering my top three processes to convert leads into booked and paid clients. If you're ready to turn your side hustle into a full-time endeavor, or if you want to stop going through that feast and famine cycle of having tons of home organizing clients some weeks and zero clients for weeks after that, then this is the masterclass for you. Grab your seat at bit.ly slash consultations 101 masterclass. I'm super, super excited to share this knowledge with you. Again, just head to bit.ly slash consultations 101 masterclass to watch now. If you enjoyed this episode, I'd love it if you'd leave a review or share it with someone who'd also benefit from listening in. To stay connected, follow at Pro Organizer Bootcamp on Instagram, join our Pro Organizer Bootcamp Facebook group, and learn more about my coaching programs at ProOrganizerBootcamp.com. Thanks so much for tuning in.